My name is Sarah Rosa Davies, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Sean Meadow and joining me is Maggie Vanoni. Hello, hello. And Sierra Webster. What's up? And Ryan Nguyen producing this podcast next to me. We're going to be talking about Oregon women's basketball. Pac-12 tournament right on the corner. It is Wednesday, March 6th, 4.22 p.m. Pacific time when we're talking. The Ducks will travel to Las Vegas for this tournament. They have a buy in the first round. They're the number one seed, the number six team in the nation. They do not know their opponents yet, but they will later on. But we're going to dive into the Pac-12 tournament in just a few. Let's wrap up what we haven't talked about on podcasts quite yet, which is the L.A. schools came to town senior night um, with USC, and then the Arizona schools to close out the trip, and Oregon secured a share of the Pac-12 regular season title in the win over Arizona, and then clinched it for their own selves in the win against Arizona State to wrap up the season. So let's go back in time. UCLA, without Ruthie Hebert, Oregon women's basketball loses this game. And it's further proving just how important she is to this team, I think at least. And I'm sure many agree. And that might just be a winnable game, though, without Hebert. I think this team needs to learn how to win without injury, without players. We'll get into a little later with Chavez being hurt. But at the time, that UCLA game, a little bit of a worrying sign, I, I I think, from my perspective, I wasn't in the arena watching that game in person, but I was just getting that TV feed. So, Maggie, you covered it. Mm-hmm. Was there anything different that you noticed in the way that this team played without her, like uh, Audie Gilden stepping in into that role That's and right. how it's she her played? Second career start. They had her start instead of Ruthie. She played. She played well. I think. You could tell they were, they were they were playing as hard as they could. I mean, they really were. But you could tell there was just there wasn't as much of a magic connection as there were usually when you watch these girls play. Like you, we watch them down and they're passing, they're making every pass, they're making shots, and they don't look. I mean, they don't look rushed. They don't look. They look like they're comfortable. And you could tell without Ruthie there that there was a slight discomfort. Whether it was not having their you know biggest defender down there, strongest defender rebounder down there, um, or was it just not having you know the Ruthie and Sabrina duo down there? But I don't know, they had, they were, they were, they just weren't, they were rushing, they weren't, they didn't look relaxed, they didn't look comfortable. It looked like something was missing, obviously that being Ruthie. Um, and then they kind of, they brought her back the next game, because obviously you drop a game, you need to bring your person back. Yeah, so Oregon, with Audie Gilden in that fold, she misses a couple shots against Oregon State, and when that game comes down to the wire, Oregon loses the game. So UCLA comes around, and it's a similar situation. She's got to have a big performance, I think, because this team doesn't get a lot of bench points. So when you slide in as a starter, that's just what ends up happening. I would look into, out of curiosity, of course, I would look into see how this team has done when they missed other players. And it reminds me of last season when Lexi Bando went out and how well Oregon was still able to play without her for the most part. And then they were they were back with her. So Ruthie Hebert obviously gets back. So let's just forget that because now it's it's pointless, right? She's back. USC. But she's not back to full capacity. Right. Limited I think that's a really key point mm-hmm. because how They're, does this team do when she can't play that much? I mean, they'll have to use her really strategically. Um, you know, maybe saving her for 
like big moments down the stretch. I just think it'll have to be a really strategic move on Graves' part, just figuring out like when to put Giomi and Gildan in and um, yeah, how to make those adjustments with her not at full capacity, but still back and definitely the team needing her to, to show up and to show up big. Yeah, those are obviously... This is, for me, I'm just looking at this team now and when players from the bench come in, it's not the bench that Oregon had last year. I don't know. Ainai Yuso could come in and change a game. Mm-hmm. Mallory McGuire could come in and change a game. Oregon doesn't really have that game-changing presence off the bench right now. And that, to me, is something worrying for them if they're going to make a Final Four run mm-hmm. later on in this year. I don't know if that resonates for either of you two, but last season, at least one went down, there was someone to fill that spot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to be the case this year. I think the only case you could make is like Taylor Chavez for a guard. Yeah, but she's out. She's out with it. Yeah. So now you've got to have Morgan Yeager step in, and I know Kelly Graves today said that she's looking really good. She is. She's gotten much more confident as the season's progressed. She got minutes against Stanford and a big win for the Ducks. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how this team can respond to that because it's not as deep. And if players like Lydia Giomi, Audie Gilden, and Morgan Yeager can step up and get points because Oregon didn't get a single bench point in its last game of the season against Arizona State. Not a single point from the bench. Audie Gilden, Lydia Giomi, and Morgan Yeager, zero. They only attempted one shot from the field, or two shots from the field. Both were missed. I don't know. It's it's something that I'm going to keep an eye on. I think everyone should. Is how this bench is used, especially when you have limited minutes out of Ruth Hebert. Absolutely. I think we talked about this earlier when Ruthie went out um, around the Civil War time and in Corvallis, but like, from the beginning of the season, we knew if one injury happened, this team would be in hot water. And they have him. And, you know, they dropped UCLA without her. And now if Taylor gone, granted, you know, Taylor's not a starter. She's not playing as vital minutes. But that's one less player on that bench, you know. And what, who's to say if someone else gets hurt? What's going to happen? And I think Oregon fans and reporters everywhere have just been, you know, they have such a short, short roster that one injury can easily spread to two. And if two injuries happen, who's to say it's not going to collapse? Who's to say there's anybody, like you said, Sean, there's no strong bench player that can come up. And if a starter goes injured again, like, what if Ruthie's injury gets worse? Knock on wood that it doesn't, you know. But what happens if it does? They have no bench player to come up and substitute that power. Yeah, the the bench is something that we've always talked about with this team because it's been so small. Nine-player team, healthy at its best. Um, I don't know. Satu Sabali, Maite Kazorla. Aaron Boley can all step up in any game and put up some huge points. I think Satu's been the most consistent at doing that, and Aaron probably second before Maite, but Maite ends up putting up some decent points against ASU. 17, and she goes 7-10 in that game. Oregon looks really good from there, but wins a game against a top 25 opponent on their home court. So that's a ASU's home court, of course. And right. So that's pretty good. I think as a sign, but um, I don't know. It, it was an interesting end of the season, to say the least, especially and mainly because of these injuries and how those affect them in Vegas and onward. Mm-hmm. The big question. Well, today at media, people were like talking about the the shortness of Oregon's bench, which is like a thing that we've talked about and are talking about. Um, and one of the things that uh, UNESCO said, which maybe is just messaging from 
like the coaching staff, but was saying like, we've played with a short bench all season. What's one less person? Um, and just kind of to say like, this is a game, like this is a type of play that they're used to of having a short bench, of having um, a lot riding on like a starting five. Um, I think that looks differently when you have three, possibly three games back to back to back. And I think that that is going to be a challenge for them. But I mean, even Graves was saying like, at this point in the season, every team is tired. Every team is having injuries. Everyone's a little sore. And, you know, showing up to the Pac-12 tournament, I mean, everyone's looking to play, hopefully, three to four games. And so that championship game is going to be, I think, a hard one. But I think it's across the board is is a big ask for teams. It is. And Oregon managed it last year, Colorado, UCLA, and Stanford. And that Stanford game, you could see the players gassed by the end of it. Um, I got lucky to be able to go up and cover that in Seattle and you could see it on the court these players by the end of the game just exhausted the one who wasn't Sabrina <laughs> mm-hmm. that that takes us to a point she gets that triple double in that USC game mm-hmm. she's got 17 in her career she is going to have to step up big and she's had some games this end of the season where yeah. she has had some heavy misses I don't know that's, if, that's if that happens in a big game yeah I think a big thing to note um, on that 17th triple-double is it was an NCAA single-season record of seven, so that was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think especially with Ruthie on limited minutes, Jaeger out, they're really going to be looking to her to show up big and to, to, you know, to make those moves, to get those assists, um, to have big shooting nights. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and to tie into that seven in a season, she also holds the freshman record of four. I think it's I would be curious to know if she holds the sophomore record of six but (laughs) um, I would have to assume so yeah so Sabrina Ionescu stepping into a big role in the Pac-12 tournament again yeah probably going to be something that Oregon needs from her and I think if she has a big tournament if this team has a big tournament that carries over into the first couple Mm -hmm. games in the tournament the NCAA tournament and onward yeah and Right now, it's looking like a Portland Regional. We'll see where that goes. If the tournament were to start today, Oregon would be a number two seed in that Portland Regional. Behind again, Notre today Dame. Being, the when, being Wednesday, Notre Dame won. South Carolina three and Syracuse four. So that's uh, not going to be easy. Oregon did face Syracuse earlier this year at Matthew Knight Arena. The Ducks won. First uh, ranked matchup of the season for Oregon at the time. So... Let's just go into the Pac-12 tournament, I think. Yeah. We've talked enough about the end of the season. Let's talk about the future and mm-hmm. the true end of the season. If Oregon can repeat as Pac-12 tournament title winners, the Ducks have done it already with the regular season title. Will they do it with the tournament as well? They play the winner of USC and Arizona. Those mm-hmm. two playing tomorrow, Thursday. The Ducks will take on either the Trojans or Wildcats Yeah, on Friday. And Oregon has played both of those teams in their last three games. Um, so they played Arizona last Friday night and USC the Sunday before that for senior night. So they're like fairly familiar with these teams, um, fresh in their heads of what these teams can bring to the court. Um, and they just recently pulled out a win against these these two programs. And so I think that sets them up arguably well, but I think also, you know, on the on the flip side, USC and Arizona, having just seen Oregon 
um, and being able to make some adjust adjustments um, to maybe see them in the quarterfinal. Yeah, the quarterfinal game, always a weird one. I think you see a lot of teams from the play-in game mm-hmm. have a momentum yeah. type of game. Mm-hmm. You can see a number one get knocked out. That, to me, is always scary. In any tournament setting, in any sport, if you get that break, it's great and all, but if you have that momentum of a big game, say USC or Arizona has something magical happen, it, it could knock off Oregon very easily. And so let's just go th- from there. Mm-hmm. Oregon knows both those teams yeah. should win those. So have they get big into games, the big record-setting games in both mm-hmm. of those games in the last week. Yeah. And so let's say they win that game. Okay. Whichever one it is, USC or Arizona. They will play the winner of either. So UCLA gets the other, the other bye mm-hmm. as the four seed. So they would play either Colorado or Arizona State. Colorado has been really poor, so it's probably UCLA Arizona. will play yeah. UCLA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Arizona State will play the Bruins, or or UCLA. Sorry, the Bruins will play the Sun Devils. I'm mixing myself up. So Arizona State versus UCLA, four versus five. Do you want to do that again? I think you I'm said no, Arizona you're, State. No, you're all confused. UCLA. Arizona State has to beat Colorado yeah, to play you UCLA. Said UCLA is gonna play Arizona They're going to beat Colorado. Is what I'm saying. No way, Colorado okay, but I'm wins just that. Saying, game. Like you just said that, like we're like very. I'll personally of apologize fact. to J.R. Payne if Colorado <laughs> wins that one. I'll tweet to her and apologize. That is a, a matchup that Arizona State's loving. They're they're going to get through that one, no problem. Colorado has been really poor this season. It's just been a disastrous year, if I'm being frank. So, UCLA, ASU. Winner of that would play the winner of Oregon versus either USC or Arizona. Okay, it's fine. So, Colorado or Arizona State, to, to please both of you. And and our listeners, who probably will also give me some slack for that. Um, UCLA, I don't know if UCLA beats Arizona State. I think that's a close matchup. I think Very that is the matchup. best quarterfinal matchup of all of them. I really do. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense based on the standings too. So mm-hmm. it's really not much of a hot take I'm, I'm going with there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, four versus five it would be. So Arizona State, I think, can actually make a run. Oh, absolutely. I think they can beat Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. They, I'm, I'm thinking if you're right, Colorado loses the first game. I think Oregon should be concerned about UCLA or Arizona State. I think both of those matchups were troublesome in the season and I think in – a tournament setting will prove to be challenging. Yeah, I think that, you know, having their only second only loss being to UCLA. Granted, o- Oregon State's on the other side of the bracket, but that's going to be, the Bruins are going to be up for blood if they end up facing Oregon. You know, they're going to be up to show that, and then so is Oregon's going to be up, up for blood too. Oregon is going to be wanting to beat UCLA as well, trying to get that last minute revenge. Um, and I think you're, you're right, this is going to be the toughest, the toughest, also, if UCLA continues on to the semifinals, and if, if they, and they face Oregon, that'll probably be the toughest semifinal with, compared to the other side. Of course. Um, I think Stanford versus history. Oregon State is Very the tough. strongest semifinal. Very tough. I don't think UCLA-Oregon is. Oregon yeah, wipes more... UCLA, I think. You think so? I think so. Because Ruthie Hebert's back. Uh, uh, assuming Ruthie Hebert is back, even without Taylor Chavez, Oregon wipes the floor with UCLA because this team does not like to lose. And this is, like you said, Maggie, revenge. Also... The tournament committee sees Oregon avenge a loss. And that's something they take into account when they rank. They avenged a loss in the tournament. 
with UCLA and then say they beat Oregon State. They avenge another loss, and now their two losses in conference play that they can avenge have been avenged in a tournament setting. Oregon gets a number one seed. I would put money down on that. As someone who doesn't bet, I would put money (laughs) down on that. Oregon-UCLA would be that semifinal matchup. So that would be the expected semifinal, we'll say. And the other expected semifinal, Stanford-Oregon State with Stanford, the number two seed. I think that side is the most interesting semifinal because Oregon State might just beat Stanford, but this is Tara. This is Stanford in a tournament. You can never count them out. And Oregon played Stanford last year in that Pac-12 tournament championship game. I don't know if that's boding much for Stanford getting back there or not, but I think Oregon... Definitely the favorites for this tournament. I think it just depends who they play in that championship game because then you got Stanford, who had the floor wiped with them by Oregon. 40-point loss, the biggest in Tara's 40 years as a head coach at the card with the Cardinal. I think Oregon State, looking at their bracket, they'll play either Washington or Utah. They should win that game, and then they'll play most likely Stanford. And Stanford will most likely beat either Washington State or Cal. That's That side of the bracket, I think, is a lot easier until you get to that semifinal. So Oregon State or Stanford, who do you think right now? Who makes it to the final? Who makes it to the final on that side? I think Stanford. I think it's Stanford just because Stanford did just give, not not just, but did give Oregon a pretty bad loss um, early February. That was their last um, competition, be- competition between each other. Um I don't know. I'm always an underdogger. So I, I want to go Oregon State, but I'm just going to do that because Oregon. I had, like underdogs. Just because they're the underdogs? And because, so then by like, that by that logic, you have Washington versus okay, Colorado? It's not, no, you're putting words in my mouth. Nope. <laughs> All right. I think it's that Oregon State. That would be something to behold. Yeah, wouldn't it? Jeez. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I'm, I'm saying Civil War championship game. <laughs> and I think Oregon wins it, gets the number one seed in the Portland region. And I don't know who the number two is because that would depend on other tournaments of course i don't know it'll be it's exciting we can do basketball really exciting so let's let's see no taylor chavez nope for this tournament mm-hmm. how does oregon's bench work is morgan yeager naturally fitting in the way that chavez did before or is is sabrina playing 40 minute games in a three-day well she didn't tournament? she didn't this weekend she played one of her lowest yeah. lowest number games low, lowest minute games um i think I think it might be interesting to see what they do with um, like a like a two post situation. Maybe Gildan and Hebert in together, or Hebert and Giomi, and they they did some of that this past weekend. I think that's an interesting option. It's not um, a super high scoring option, but I think um, you asked about the bench, and this isn't the bench, but I think the Ducks will have to look heavily to um, Bowley and Sobley for some big three, mm. a three big three game. Um, so does it rest on those two? Right now, I know Satu had a three-game skid without a three-pointer, and then she got a couple against Arizona State yeah. at the end of the year. So I just so. I think I think that will be a big piece for Oregon, um, trying to get looks from them. I think um, Graves been, Graves has been talking about um, talking to Kazorla about being more goal-minded and scoring-minded, and less about the passing and assists, which is a big part of how she plays. But I think. With the shorter bench, I think it's going to, I think there's going to be, um, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of expectation on those those two, th- three shooters, and then Kazorla looking for um, 
some more scoring opportunities, which, I mean, we talked about she did um, in that, was it Arizona State where she got 17? Yeah, I think it was Arizona State. Yeah, at the end of the season, goes 7 of 10. Yeah. So it's not too bad. And Sabali went 7 of 11 with Maite and, at and 7 I'm, of 10. And, I mean, bad. we see I mean we see Cazorla, I would say, stepping up in big games when, when Oregon sometimes is having a hard time getting things rolling, just, you know, taking the drives, taking the lane. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what the bench will do. That feels more hypothetical to me. I mean, less hypothetical in that they're going to need to rely on them, but I think the big pieces will be, you know, get looking for the three pointer, looking for some shot opportunities from Cazorla. So Maggie, for you then, who's the biggest player in this tournament or position group or anything like that stick out to you or you think that needs to be emphasized for Oregon to to win this tournament? I know we already talked about UNESCO and then a little bit about Oli and Sabley. Are you would you just kind of reiterate that or is there something else? Yeah, I would reiterate that. I mean I would also like I don't know. I feel like this is this is Maite and Audi's um last run. Like their last times in Oregon uniform, their last might also be Sabrina's. That's the thing too, is that we have to keep in we have to keep in mind that too, but I mean, I don't think unless they, unless they make a huge, huge run, I don't think she will go. I think she'll stay one more year. That's just my take on that. I I agree. So kind of like Justin Herbert for the Oregon football team. Yeah, it's a very good example. It's a very good comparison. Not really, but yeah, sort of. I mean, they both are slated as like number one picks yeah. by people. So I would I would say it's I would say it's decent. Okay, it's a good comparison. Um, she doesn't have her like sibling coming to play with her though. <laughs> a little different. That's true. He has his brother. Hey, as a he, tight might, end. he might be. Um, Eddie might be on the men's team next year. Yeah, that's He'd be true. Here to try it out. Yeah, that was totally a side. He did have a walk on spot actually, like originally as a freshman. Oh, really? That went to City College. That's random side note. Totally but side yeah. noted. So, Pac twelve tournament. Pac twelve. I don't know. I think all eyes will be on Sabrina because you know she's back in the spotlight again this season, just as much as it was last season. But this season they have something to prove. This season they are trying to prove that they can go farther than eight, elite eight in the. NCAA. We're talking about Pac-12, not NCAA. Shut up, Maggie. Okay, cool. Um, going back to Pac-12, I think all eyes, all eyes are going to be on Sabrina, but I think it's also a chance for those people we haven't seen kind of step up, step up. Like, this is a great chance for Audie to come up. It's her last time in Oregon uniform. Um, Marte has ended the season with a strong ASU game, but I think this is a chance where they have to come together and really just, like, kind of reiterating what you two said about what was... Um, about having Ruthie back, about having Sabrina back. I think all eyes are going to be on Sabrina because she's not only gained hype last year, but she gained more hype this year, I would think, with multiple articles written, multiple articles written about her. And just, I think the whole nation is kind of watching more now. Do you think now. she reads those? No. I don't know. I don't think I, she reads them. I don't think she reads them. I don't think I'm she saying, cares. I don't think she cares either. I'm talking about like the nation attention on her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not saying that she's I thought you were saying like no, that's no. how it like... No. She's gonna feel that no, pressure not at because all. okay, not at okay. All. That's I wasn't. I didn't way. hear that. Yeah. Okay. I took it a whole different way then. Okay. I think the nation has more eyes on this team this year than they did the last year and the obviously the years before that because she's had such a big spotlight with those articles that have been previously written about her. Um, and I think like we, she has she is the number one seed to go if she if she chooses to go to WNBA after the season. Um, and I think a lot of eyes are gonna be on her, but I don't. I think. She's just gonna be focused just on winning, and that's we all know that's that's Sabrina's mindset. We all know that that's what she's focused on. But I think 
seen her perform in these last couple games will really determine to but will also really determine um what we see of her next year obviously if she stays she stays but what is her mindset going to be like what you know if they drop a game that they should not have dropped in these in these very vital tournaments what is her mindset going to be coming up next year right see i don't want to dive too much into that no, yeah. right now you know no i don't so it's an interesting thing to think about especially how she approaches i think the NCAA tournament and less so the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is really just like your warm up tournament well we'll see how sabrina does in this and if that has any implications on her continuing to go with Oregon, or if she goes for the WNBA, where she's currently slotted as the number one pick in next year's draft, or this year. Shoot, that's yeah. this year. It's in April. That's it's so April soon. 10th. Yeah, so she'll have to make a decision very quickly. It's probably already been made. I, think I don't it, know. I think it has. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It'd be tough to, tough to figure out, but we'll see how this team performs. It will be either... USC or Arizona and then it would be either ASU Colorado or UCLA and then it would be anyone else who I did not name (laughs) in a championship game if they get there on Sunday but it is Wednesday we're talking Pac-12 women's basketball specifically Oregon here on the Emerald Podcast Network and I think we'll just wrap it up here but for Sierra Webster Maggie Vanoni our producer Ryan Wynn sitting right next to me on my left I'm Sean Meadow. This has been another edition of the Oregon Women's Basketball Podcast, pre-Pac-12 Tournament Edition. To subscribe to more Emerald Podcasts, do so wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can go to dailyemerald.com as well. We got a nice little sidebar that's become a bottom bar on the website since our updated website browser, I guess, and uh, or host. And then... Yeah, listen to our podcasts, read our articles, support student journalism, and pretty much pay attention because this team could be going all the way this year. To Tampa. And we might be too. Thanks please for listening. Donate. Thank you. Yeah, please donate. Please donate. Help the cause. Help the cause. Send some student journalists to Tampa. You can donate at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry, Ryan. You have to edit all that. It's okay. I apologize. <laughs> Look at this cut my part. <laughs> so he's still editing this, you know, because <laughs> you're talking. <laughs> you just cut, chunk, chunk, delete. Oh, my oh goodness. Oh, God. Okay, let's wrap it up, please. I should <laughs> I'm be... just embarrassed myself. How much do you have of me in accents then for bloopers? Because that's, I'm sure, insane. I might have some stuff from that was would... recorded, God. I don't yeah, I was goofy. Um, okay, I'll, do you want me to wrap it up, Sierra, or do you want... I don't need to say anything. Okay, I'll just That's wrap it up from that. So you're talking about Sabrina and stuff. And Okay. <laughs>